There are two readings this morning. The first one comes from Daniel 8, chapter 8, starting at verse 15, and it's on page 894 in the Church Bibles. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, and is on page 1026. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I wonder how you feel at the beginning of this Advent season. Does it fill you with festive spirit? An anticipation? Or does it leave you with a slightly uneasy feeling? The presence, the food, the family. Who do we see and when do we see them? Maybe I'll be on my own. Will there be family tensions? Will it live up to the expectation? Will I be able to cope with it mentally? Or maybe it'll leave me feeling vulnerable. Maybe Uncle Cliff, I hope no one's got an Uncle Cliff, will drink too much and cause a family rift again. Maybe you just want Christmas to be over already. A recent survey said that 66% of people do not think that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. More than 200,000 elderly people in the UK are due to spend Christmas on their own. And more than 1.5 million older people consider Christmas to be the loneliest time of the year. A song has just come out with these lyrics. Sorry I'm not so merry brings no joy into my life. Watch the snow as it's falling, and I don't feel a thing. Just another December night. Sleigh bells ringing, still I feel sad. It'll have you thinking of all the things that you don't have. Can you even imagine all the people that haven't got any presents? No mistletoe. Some are living without a home, waking up in the morning and there's nobody calling. All wrapped up in a winter coat, still longing for someone to hold. So it doesn't matter if I manage to get all the things on my list. Something about the Yuletide makes me lonely inside. Can't just be me feeling like this. If I'm feeling lonely, I can't be the only one drowning in my tears. So somebody show me, how am I supposed to have fun at the loneliest time of the year? It's heartbreaking, isn't it, that a time of year which should be full of hope and joy is instead an empty and dark and lonely time for many. You're probably wondering how all of that links in with the theme of Advent and Mary. Now, I'm sure we all know the story of Gabriel and Mary inside out. It's a story we hear year after year after year. And yet I love how we can still learn things through the interpretation of others. Last year, I read the Advent book, The Women of Christmas, by Liz Curtis Higgins, Much of what I'm using today comes from things I discovered through reading that book. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we meet Gabriel. This is not the first time that Gabriel has popped up in the Bible. He has already visited people in the Old Testament, and in Luke's Gospel, he has already appeared to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, in the temple. Now he is sent to this insignificant village, Nazareth, to meet Mary. This young woman of maybe around 12 years old, due to marry the carpenter, Joseph. At this time, girls were betrothed as soon as they could bear children, to protect their innocence and to allow for many healthy years of childbearing. She would have been looking forward to her future, 
knowing where she was heading, getting married, her head full of thoughts of falling in love with this man and having children together. Being engaged in this time carried a different meaning to being engaged today. Mary and Joseph were as good as wed. Theirs was a written and legally binding oath, witnessed by their neighbours as a formal ceremony. In verse 28, Gabriel meets Mary and he opens with, Greetings, O favoured one. You who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Adonai is with you. And I think that's just beautiful, isn't it? That God is always with us, even when it maybe doesn't feel like he is. In verse 30, he speaks to Mary by name. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. God knows her name. He identifies her fears and he eases them. How much more do we truly feel that we matter and are seen when people speak to us using our name? And in that moment, the future she was planning and expecting takes a different turn. A turn where she is no longer in control, no longer certain of what lies ahead of her. And yet she answers Gabriel with, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She doesn't plead with Gabriel to give her every detail. She doesn't ask for proof. She doesn't doubt that God can do this miracle. Her response is an example of true obedience. She is in submission to God's word and his promise. Whereas we can often get so caught up in the fine point that we miss all that God is wanting to do in and through us. We get caught up in the small print and miss the bigger call to obedience and to greater things. Gabriel listens to Mary and then he responds. It reminds us that it's okay to ask God how he's going to accomplish something. Even if sometimes, and more often than not, the answer is, trust me. We can always be sure that he hears us. What I love about Mary is that God didn't choose her because she was unique. Mary was unique because God chose her. God chose Mary because he knew that she would say yes. He didn't have a plan A, B and C. Mary was the plan. He knew her tender heart, her trusting nature, her abiding faith and her humble spirit. Mary was full of God's grace simply because God chose to bless her. She is the recipient of God's grace and not the giver. Now we don't have a description of her being holy or pious or deserving. Yes, she is a virgin, but she was not perfect and she wasn't without sin. And we can only guess at what Mary was doing in the moments before Gabriel turned up. But I can bet that she wasn't face down in prayer. I imagine she was going about her daily routine, nothing special, just getting on with the tasks and chores of the day. Yet how often do we tell ourselves that God isn't all that interested in the small details of our lives, when in reality he's deeply invested in every area of our lives? Nothing is too insignificant for his attention. This story is a beautiful reminder that God meets us where we are, and in an instant our lives can be changed if we are open to him and obedient. What made Mary worthy of her calling was not her virtue, but God's. And this gives us a generous measure of hope in Advent. God takes us as we are and uses us as he will for our good and for his glory. I wonder how that makes you feel, knowing that God always meets us as we are. He doesn't wait for us to have it all sorted and all together, whatever that might actually look like. 
He doesn't wait for us to have all the parts of the story before he calls us to action. He meets us where we are, in our messy, often mundane existence. The purpose for this is found in verse 37. It is so that we know that nothing is impossible for God. It's not when we're perfect, then God can get on and do his thing. It's even in our weakness, God will still use us for his glory. Because no word from God ever fails. This is the truth that answers every doubt we could possibly have. Every fear, every question, every concern. Nothing is impossible for God. This is one of the most reassuring verses in scripture and it's found in the Advent story. How often do we whisper or speak over ourselves and others? No way, that's impossible. That could never happen, that could never change. Imagine for a moment how our lives might look if we could just grasp hold of that truth. How our thoughts, actions and relationships might be different. What might God be able to do through our lives if we truly believed that he can do the impossible? My depression, nothing is impossible for God. My addiction, nothing is impossible for God. My finances, nothing is impossible for God. My relationships, nothing is impossible for God. My loneliness, Nothing is impossible for God. God is the great healer, the restorer, and the caregiver. And like that song that we just sang, God is our way maker, our miracle maker, promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. Our God, that is who you are. Mary went on to carry Jesus in her body. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we carry the risen Lord in us. Nothing is impossible with God residing in us and working through us. And God goes further and blesses Mary with a confidence. She is not going to face this journey alone. He gives her Elizabeth. She will have the listening ear of an experienced woman who is able to guide, advise and encourage her. She also has the support of Joseph after his visit from Gabriel. Again, we often believe that there are things that we have to face alone, not wanting to burden others. But God didn't create us to be solitary beings. He created us to be in community with others, to support and lift each other up during different seasons. So circling back to my open on the pressures of the Advent season, how might we approach it differently, knowing that for God nothing is impossible? knowing that Mary was obedient to the calling placed on her life without question, trusting God with all the details of the plan, knowing that God gave Mary the gift of Elizabeth. As we enter the busy time of Advent, are you a Mary? Maybe you are facing a calling from God which feels like a challenge, but you want to be obedient to the call. Maybe you're uncertain of what your future looks like, but you want to trust God with the details. Or maybe you're in a time of being an Elizabeth, supporting others in their journey, advising and encouraging others as they step into something new and unknown. Or maybe you are able to see the things others are struggling with and can offer that little bit of understanding and empathy. Because Christmas doesn't have to be the loneliest time of the year. 
It doesn't have to be filled with dread because nothing is impossible for our God. So I'd like us just to take a moment to remind ourselves of all that Mary had ahead of her. It could have been so overwhelming for her. She could have allowed the thoughts of having a baby outside of marriage fill her with shame and turn her into some sort of recluse. She could have crumbled under the weight of the task, but instead she chose to trust God, whatever lay ahead, and reach out to those that God had placed around her. So as we reflect, I'd like you just to ask God, what are you showing me through this story this year? Just as we were uh, listening to that, I think that whole kind of concept of Mary, did you know uh, what Jesus would go on to do, just was mindful also of uh, Gabriel, who in the Old Testament passage that we heard uh, had quite a stark and difficult message to give. And then God stoops down to Gabriel uh, and says, I have a new message for you to give, a message that's going to speak hope into the world that is uh, a world of darkness. Uh, and I can imagine Gabriel just uh, thinking, there's a, there's a great um, rabbinic story uh, Jewish people tell of the angels sitting around and God telling, him, uh, telling them his plan to save the world uh, through Jesus and through Mary. And the angels saying, that's your plan? <laughs> and little did they know uh, what Jesus would, would be, who he would be. Uh, and the hope that he brings and the hope that he speaks into uh, the desperation that we see around us uh, and the hope of the future uh, that he gives us is an incredible thing, isn't it? Uh, and that's what we were celebrating earlier, that the message of that hope.